0: Winter was here, but we are just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Rewatch Season 3, Episode 2. And now, here are the two guys who've got everything locked and loaded into the crossbow, ready to go. I'm Rob Sister here with Josh
1: Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing really well. I just want to issue a quick warning for you first, because I think that this is important for you to know. Um, I have uh, launched an arrow into the air and by the time you and i are done talking on this podcast it will be in your head so you're going to want to like step to the left what yeah 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 I've, I'm a really I'm actually not bad at archery so uh I would just be careful I,
0: I've got good aim even from New York shooting your way in Los Angeles okay well we will try not to go on too many tangents because I don't know what time you estimated that arrow is going to be up in the I figured, air like you know we've got like 40 some odd minutes so if we're like really running long that's what we want to be uh keeping an eye out Josh if you shot an arrow straight up in the air like a hundred percent like a zero degree angle would it just then fall back to the earth in the backwards as opposed to uh, not traveling at an arc
1: I think it you know there's like it's some wind dependent stuff uh you know how perfect of an angle are we talking about here perfect we don't need yeah you know we, we don't we don't need to get into Maybe the, we have a geometry whiz that can we don't uh, need to get into us. the reeds of archery
0: the jojan <laughs> reeds jojan <laughs> reeds okay anyway lots so, of archery in this episode though a lot of stuff going on here but i i think all in all a bit of a peace mover episode as we are sort of getting everything on the chessboard here in season three uh what do you think is the most iconic thing from this episode who the most iconic thing from this
1: episode. Well, first of all, I do think that there's some really great scenes in this episode. And I do agree with you. I think that a lot of this is like table setting for where we're moving sure. forward in season three. Uh some character combinations that are being introduced here, some new characters that are being introduced here. Uh the first scene with the with the Queen of Thorns is pretty spectacular. I think that this is a really great episode for Marjorie Tyrell, mm-hmm. who has a phenomenal scene with Joffrey, the aforementioned crossbow scene that you were teasing at a little bit earlier, I think that that's probably the best scene of the episode, for me anyway.
0: Yeah, I think uh, in hindsight, I think that maybe uh jamie and Brienne sword fight probably is the most iconic thing but probably uh you know it's a little no, flat though right like, like, you it was, know well, uh,
1: it's, ex- it's jamie lannister supposed to be the best swordsman in the seven yeah, like
0: kingdoms it. and he's kind of just like man you know
1: just sort of like wiggling a sword
0: around sure on a good day but i think he's got his hands tied up there right and then also that uh, he's been sort of captured for a year i gotta be honest i'm unimpressed
1: i'm just <laughs> unimpressed I'm oh. unimpressed. You know, there's <laughs> so much hype, so much hype behind him. And honestly, even when he was able bodied, we had that fight with him and Ned Stark in season one, which is a little hames Saban. So I don't know.
0: Not Do you feel like we've the, never the, really yeah. seen Jamie Lannister go just like a uh, full Lannister destroy mode.
1: Yeah. yeah. Through this point in the series, at least through uh, two episodes of season three, who knows what the future will bring uh, in terms of some other uh, iconic scenes. Probably uh, seeing Theon Greyjoy like slammed against that cross, just getting his foot drilled into. I don't know about iconic, but in fact, like it's it's almost like the opposite of memorable, because this time, as I imagine with the last time, I had to like look away from the screen as they were like driving the knife. Yeah, block it his out. Fingernail and everything. It was the corkscrew. Okay. Awful, awful stuff. Lots to talk about. All
0: Lots right. So let's about. get into it and then we'll talk about uh the different spoiler ramifications of everything here in this episode. Uh the episode title, uh Dark Wings, Dark Words, that refers to the Raven that the Rob Stark camp uh gets. Uh we see a little bit of Rob and Schmoopy talking about like, uh <laughs> but did you ever think that you would be marrying me? I was like, Oh no. Her name
1: is Tausa. Yes. The actress is Una Chaplin. I don't know. That's not Smoopy Chaplin.
0: <laughs> uh, that is very funny. That's She's Smoopy Chaplin to me. And, yes, uh, Roos Bolton comes in and he's got the, the Raven and we have to go. And he got actually two messages. Neither of them are positive news. Rob tells Kat that her father, Hoster Tully is dead they need to uh potentially take everybody to go to the funeral services uh that's what uh the stark army is going to be doing later yeah, on and in the, the lightest
1: of spoilers the lightest of spoilers that also will involve some archery
0: yes and then we also get word that winterfell has been burning and bran and rickon are missing and so kat is uh very disappointed to hear all of that news It's been a really rough period of time
1: for Catelyn Stark. I think, you know, it's easy to kind of just like, you know, be angry with her for what has happened with, uh, you know, all of this this drama that's been happening in the Stark camp recently. Uh, You could argue that the whole war between the Starks and the Lannisters boils down to her taking Tyrion Lannister hostage back in season one. And sure, all of that's fair and good, but she has lost her husband And now she, you know, her her daughters are estranged. She doesn't know what their condition is. And now she is learning that her two sons in Winterfell are at the very best MIA. This is not great. Tough times. And her father's dead. So it really this is the worst. The Catelyn Stark, I think, is having the roughest time of anybody on Game of Thrones right now.
0: Later on in the episode, we catch up with the Stark army again as they are on the move to River Run, and Rob Stark is talking with Car uh, Stark about what is going on. Car Stark, yes, Karstark Stark is being a bit of a hater about uh, what's going on. He has his doubts josh what is the specific reason that car stark is so down Uh, i understand that he had his uh kin which he lost in this war but they're really painting a picture that the uh, things have turned for the starks and i I want to know what specifically is uh got everybody down is it the fact that the tyrells have joined forces with the lannisters is it that the starks lost winterfell is it that they saw the 200 Northmen? lane at harren hall or is it some combination of all those things
1: first of all i can't put my finger on it but doesn't Carstark remind you of a muppet like i don't know if it's statler and waldorf but like he just like kind of has or, or is it like sam the eagle maybe but he just has that look about him that i think is fantastic yeah he's, he's a, a little very... unkempt too he's got a little bit of an animal yeah. thing going on ah <laughs> Yeah, incidentally, he's a great drummer. Uh, Well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to tip the tip the hand too much there. Uh, I think that he is, you know, he's jaded at this point. I think that the uh, the 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 luster has been lost here in the stark cause. And I think it really does come down to everything having to do with his um, his children being uh, killed, the way that they were killed, and Jamie Lannister being set free, and not thinking that Rob Stark has dealt with that appropriately. On top of that, he talks to to Rob about how I think you lost this war the day you married her, pointing at Talisa. Uh I think the reason behind that being that he is showing that he's not a man of his word anymore, because as we know, Rob Stark was betrothed to one of Lord Walder Frey's daughters, so I think. That he is basically saying the only thing that you had to hang your hat on was like your honorable cause and your honorable name, and even that is out the window, and you're making bad decisions mm-hmm. here with the ramifications of Jamie Lannister. So I think he's just more
0: than anything. I just think he's very disgruntled at this point. Okay, so we see Talissa with Kat. Kat is making another one of these uh, dream catchers. Uh, We saw her working on one of those when Bran was ill. She tells the story, though, of another time that she made one of these dream catchers. And she talks about when Jon Snow was sick. She had wished ill upon Jon Snow. Then he really did get sick and then she felt bad about it but it seems like uh, why is this uh top of mind for her right now that the issues with Jon Snow and wishing him ill
1: I think that she's kind of reflecting on her life a bit. And I think that she's, you know, she's feeling very woe as me, understandably. I think she's feeling really grim and dark. Uh not grim like the barbarians that uh Talissa is talking about earlier in the episode. But she's feeling really upset and you know, she's lost her father definitively. She may have lost her two boys outside of Rob. Uh she doesn't know for sure. Uh she does not know what's going on with her daughters. That's still up in the air. Everything is so tenuous and difficult for her now. And I I would imagine, you know, also Ned is gone. So she's probably thinking about him. So she's like so split brained in terms of where to assign the grief. Everything Mm -hmm. is going wrong. Like the sky is falling for her. And I think in a moment like this, she's probably thinking about how there was somebody who really could have used her her love and motherly support. And in in a real low of lows, she was ready to give that you know she was talking about how please to the seven gods like if you let this boy live i will love him i'll be a mother to him i'll beg my husband to give him a true name to call him a stark and be done with it and to make him one of us and then he lived and i couldn't keep my promise uh, and i think that so she's being know, punished she feel i think she
0: feels like she has uh she has screwed up Oh, so and, it really is all her fault then yeah <laughs> <laughs> see i didn't know that i didn't know that when i first watched the show i didn't know everything yeah. was her fault because she didn't love yeah. john Snow. Yeah, I think that that's really the key. That's the turnkey moment for all things. Because yeah, yeah, I was throughout. confused because she says that, yeah, the horror that came to my family all because I couldn't love a motherless child. I was like, what, what is she talking about?
1: It's like maybe like you should regret more that you like very haphazardly kidnapped Tyrion Lannister. And then let, let go of Jamie Lannister. Yeah, like, but these are probably the things to regret more. She's so thinking than about like, ah, I should have been nicer to Jon Snow. You know, it's listen, that's nice it's a good sentiment you're right you definitely should have been nicer to Jon Snow uh but I think like the other two things are probably bigger deal in terms of why everyone is where
0: they are right now okay all right well you know uh she's uh not a Stark by blood but uh you know she does have uh <laughs> she fit in well with that bunch uh I
1: know she does very very yeah brooding uh brooding befits uh Catelyn Stark formerly Tully
0: okay we got a lot of uh, Bran on the road, and he meets uh, Jojen and Mira Reed, and uh, Josh, here they are. The Reeds here are in are. the picture. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, w- <laughs> this yeah, is sh- not my favorite. <laughs> Do you want to share what you texted me last night as we
1: were trying to coordinate when we were going to record this podcast? Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah. You asked me if we could record it around noon and I said, yep. And you gave me a thumbs up followed by three words. Uh, apologies in advance for the profanity. I will just say the word. Uh, it was fuck Jojen Reed. Uh, were dark the, wings, were the-
0: dark words, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah, the dark fan. words come via text.
1: You know, he you know, Jojen Reed shows up and he kind of just like acts like he owns the place and he's so calm and he's so casual and Osha's like got a spear against his neck and then Mira Reed shows up and she's got a knife against Osha's neck, and then Jojen just kind of like strolls up to Summer the Direwolf and seems to really charm Summer very quickly. And it's kind of like what what's the big deal? What, just because you were in love actually? We're all supposed to just like bend down and like, you mm-hmm. know, fawn over. You because you were a super cute kid. Back yeah. What in the are you? Day? Rick
0: Grimes. He, he also was a great drummer. By the way, he's got a little bit of animal in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I think that Jojen Reed to me is fine. And the thing that I find especially grating is the ongoing pissing contest between Osha and Mira Reed for no reason <laughs> why they're being so catty towards each other. Right. Yeah. They've got more
1: in common than they than they realize. They're both badass warriors. Uh, they both just want to protect their people but they're having a little You're bit of a You're both great.
0: Fine. Good. Let's move on. But
1: no. I think Osha felt very alpha in this crew, and then these two people are showing up, and it's just like a very sudden power dynamic shift that I think is making everybody uncomfortable. And everybody, like, she already knows that Brand's a big deal, and she doesn't want to talk about his dark magic, and now all of a sudden Jojen Reed is showing up, and he wants to talk about the Three-Eyed Raven, and he's appeared in his dreams and stuff. And I
0: think Osha's probably feeling like, ah, this is all this is all different. I don't know why I'm even here. Yeah. And so we see a couple of scenes with them. Again, uh, no brand last week, but we got to see or did we have brand last week? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I don't recall that. Okay, so we have Bran. He wakes up. He's dreaming. And again, going back to that uh, iconic first episode of the series where he's practicing his archery and uh, he's dreaming about that. Uh, He's shooting at the three eyed raven. Uh, We hear the voice of Ned Stark from Beyond the Grave.
1: That was nice. Nice callback. Nice to hear uh, Sean Bean's uh, lovely voice tickling the ears of Game of Thrones fans everywhere here. uh, So many episodes after he has departed.
0: Yeah. And so eventually we are going to see Jojen and Mira show up on the scene. Uh, We talked about sort of their uh, first arrival where and they're saying, hey, look, Summer is going to get you guys if you do anything. But Jojen Reed, he can even charm Summer.
1: Yeah, Summer's a big Jojen Reed fan. Summer's like, I loved Love, Actually. I also enjoyed you in the Maze Runner trilogy. Uh, Yeah, she's very, uh, or is it a he? I think Summer's a he. Uh, Very charmed. Very charmed either way by Jojen Reed.
0: Yeah, and uh, we see them again later on in the episode where uh, Rickon just runs off. I think that they just literally had nothing for Rickon to do. <laughs> that he's just like, <laughs> he just runs off nowhere. He's a wild child. He's a wild child. Yeah, yeah that's why Osha loves him so much. Yes, uh, and uh, Mira and Osha they have some tension, and Bran and Jojen are talking about how they both are able to see some visions, Josh. Yes, they both are able to to
1: they you know they shared a dream together. So this gift that Bran has, uh, we've also we, we've already seen that he is able to warg into Summer. Uh, he was able to you know occupy the body of his direwolf and the mind of his direwolf. And Jojen is basically saying, "You've got powers beyond that, even beyond your comprehension at this point." And uh, we got to learn more about that. We got to figure that out. We also find out that these people uh, have some history in common mm-hmm. as well the reeds and the starks
0: yes uh, that the father of jojen reed and mirror reed uh what is his name halen reed, reed right yes halen reed that he fought with ned stark so uh their dads were friends old friends
1: yeah they were old buddies and, uh, you know, that's, that's nice. That's nice. A little bit of family history here. And Jojen Reed says, yeah, well, I, I totally watched like some of that stuff, like of, uh, my dad and your dad fighting and the rebellion. So apparently the, the power of the site that Jojen is talking about is so powerful that you
0: can see the past. Yes. He's binge watched the whole, uh, rebellion, <laughs> yes. Robert's war. He's seen it all. He he has seen the Game of Thrones
1: prequels already. You know, those aren't even written. They're not even in production yet. They're not even, you know, officially announced and named. He's seen them all. So yes. Uh, really the,
0: impressive stuff. The scene, also, the only one thing that matters, and it's Bran.
1: Yeah, Bran is the one. Bran is the only thing. Like, so okay, uh, that's exciting, yeah. you know. All right. I guess everybody knows who to watch. This is the one character that you
0: need to, to be paying attention to is Bran Stark. <laughs> that's, that's all you got. Okay. Uh, that's that's Jojen's words, not mine. Yes, those are his dark words. Okay, Uh, you mentioned Theon. We see him uh, hauled up and tortured. He appears to be affixed to a uh, giant X, Josh. Yes, giant
1: X. X marks the spot. Um, We really don't know much about what's happening to Theon Greyjoy right now. You know, last we saw him, he was getting knocked out by a fellow Iron Islander. Um, and now we see him again and a bag is over his head. It's swiftly removed. And he is in this like, you know, dank, dirty dungeon that is very dimly lit. And there's a bunch of soldiers there and they are just e- mercilessly uh, going to town on this guy. You know, they put like a, a knife under his fingernail, which again was like that was excruciating. No, I'm watching like this that. on my I'm watching this on my computer with headphones on. So the sound is really good. I was like, ah! It was awful. It was so bad. It was so bad. And then the screw in the foot, no good, not great. Um, seems like he has one friend, right? Like, it seems like one of these yes. people is a little bit pathetic.
0: Yes, a uh, kindly young janitor there in the dungeon uh, <laughs> said that, look, your sister, I talked to her. I'll come back for you. Don't worry. Theon says, no, how about now? No, 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 no. I'll come back for you later. He sort of, like, loosens the screw that's going into <laughs> his foot and then uh, says, I'll come back for you later. Uh, the X that Theon... Is- is uh, affixed to looks uh, very much like what we see on the sigil of the flag of House Bolton. Josh. Ooh, oh, that's a good call. I didn't even notice that. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> I, hadn't pu- I hadn't put that together at all. Yeah.
0: So at all, all right. we'll, not. We'll see what's going on with uh, Theon as we move forward. And the janitor, I love that. The janitor, janitor, slim, <laughs> kindly janitor, <laughs> the kindly janitor. <laughs> it's like Rudy. <laughs> I believe in you kid. Oh, yeah. there's a thing I want to say. I'll save it for the spoiler section. Okay. Uh let's see. We also uh saw a lot of action in King's Landing where we see uh Sansa, she's talking with Shay and uh, she is talking about how, like, hey, look, Littlefinger, if you want something from you, you know, that that uh, these guys trust me. I know how men work. She's like, no, he doesn't. He seems like a good guy. He doesn't even want anything from me. He's too old anyway. She's like, eh, don't believe he it. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And Loras Tyrell comes. He brings Sansa to go see Marjorie Margaery and Marjorie's grandmother, Lady Elena, the Queen of Thorns. Yes, played by
1: the great, the legendary Diana Rigg, uh, a really fun character. I'm so excited to have Lady Elena here on Game of Thrones. She's just, as you can see in her first scene, I think she makes such a such an immediate impression where she is just like she's shit talking her entire family. Uh, you know, she talks about uh, her own son, Mace Tyrell, Marjorie's father. Yeah, Mace Tyrell. and calling him a fat head. Oh, she talks. She talks about her own husband, Lord Luther, who rode off a cliff because he was too distracted with his own conversation, <laughs> which is great. Uh, just her, her dialogue. It's so quippy. It's really, really pithy. It's very great. It's great to have this character in the show.
0: Yes. And she is has a lot of questions about Joffrey because her granddaughter, Marjorie is going to be marrying him. And she wants to know, what's he really like? Come on. You can yeah. tell us. Yeah, spill the tea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but don't actually. I want I want the tea. Sansa, at first, you know, she describes how Joffrey made her look at Ned Stark's head on a pike. And then she said, no, 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 actually, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's uh, I, I love him so much. He's the yeah, best. He's totally great. And they're it's like, cool. come he's on. Dude. S- sing it, sister. Uh-huh.
1: And, and then she, she says, finally says,
0: he's a monster.
1: He's a monster. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a monster. And it's a, a great response to that is, ah. That's a pity. Yeah. (laughs) That's such an underwhelmed reaction. Marjorie doesn't
0: seem too bummed. She's like, "Eh, yeah, it's kind of like what we thought.
1: Well, you know, we see later on in the episode, Marjorie goes to spend some time with Joffrey. She's summoned by Joffrey, and he's kind of like, uh, you know, he's already. There's a scene with him earlier in the episode where he's talking to Cersei, and Cersei's trying to, like, get Joffrey to open his eyes to the fact that Marjorie is, like, a little bit dangerous. There's. Yeah, there's a reason why she dresses like that. There's a reason why she, uh, you know, speaks to uh, the to the to the impoverished and why she's talking to the common folk. Uh, and Joffrey insists that uh, she's she's that way because she's smart and smart people do what they're told. Uh, and so she like, does he's what she's trying- told. <laughs> this is becoming the most boring conversation so I've ever had. Boring. I like when he's like, this needs to be tighter here. Tighter. Uh, He's getting dressed by his uh, by his man. Uh, So he's not really having it from his mom. But then when he has his conversation with Marjorie, like it seems like he's like, you know, allowed some of that stuff to marinate. And he is trying to kind of test her here and be like, why would you have, you know, you know, married a traitor? Why would you have, you know, chosen Renly Baratheon? And she very deftly and artfully navigates this conversation, uh, mm-hmm. where she re- she recognizes very quickly that Joffrey is a psychopath who loves crossbows and probably would get off on the idea of her killing something with one. And she really leans into that. And so I think this whole, you know, she's not terribly phased by the reality that Joffrey is a monster is because Marjorie herself, even though she says, politics are lost on me, that doesn't feel like the truth. It feels like the truth is politics actually land on Marjorie rather nicely. Uh, You know, she is somebody Mm -hmm. who is is pretty adept at this stuff. And that's why I love that scene so much, the way that she just kind of really plays into her strengths and plays into Joffrey's weaknesses in this delightful way.
0: Yeah, I really like the part where she's describing some of Renly's ideas that he had. And she said, well, there was one night where he got very drunk and he tried to do something that sounded like it was going to be a, a, a very uncomfortable place and joffrey was like what like the back of a volkswagen <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, she says something that would be
1: very painful and not conducive to bearing children at all i just assumed it was like
0: a dead arm contest like you know <laughs> no. you yeah. can punch you harder Oh, uh, I thought you meant like the stranger, but that's uh, a different one of the uh, seven (laughs) that we can talk about another time. That's different. Yes, that's different. Uh, We also see Shay with Tyrion talk about uh, Shay is like, uh, so I had a conversation with Roz and we've really retconned the whole Roz (laughs) being captured because you think that that Roz would say, you know, I kind of took the fall for you. Really, uh, you know, as Tyrion's uh, whore, you know that, right? You would think that maybe that those two, if they were having a conversation, uh, that that might have come up or Tyrion would say that like, you know, what, actually, don't talk to her. You know why? Because they actually already captured her. But that, that's just that that's, you know, we touched on it last week. It's just not ever going to uh, be a thing.
1: Yeah, as you were describing all that, I've just had like my shoulders and arms outstretched because I got nothing. I, yeah, I don't, know, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to connect all that together. Right, it's kind of whatever. Uh, the scene with Tyrion and Shay is is also I, I found to be a little whatever. Uh, I mean, I think I think Peter Dinklage is pretty funny. We've seen this, this like scene. three or four times now. Yeah, exactly. Where he's like, like, you're like uh, yeah. what are you
0: doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Like, oh, yeah. my yeah. lion. Yeah. I'm, this is unfair. I'm it's mad cruel. at you. Like, oh, <laughs> like, oh don't, I know. Like, don't be mad. Let's just make out. Like, OK. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. This is probably at least the fourth version of that scene we've seen so far. <laughs> OK. So, you know, of those like maybe like somewhere along the way. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of time between now and the final season of Game of Thrones. Maybe I can uh, I can rank all of the the Tyrion and Shay fights. That feels like something I could
0: do. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. We also get some Arya. Uh, she was 0 for the finale, but we pick up Arya, hot pie, and Gendry. They are walking around. They run into the Brotherhood without Banners. But before that, uh, I think that we do have some good uh, Gendry channeling the voice of the audience, uh, picking on Aria for her three wishes that. She got from Jack and Hagar. Why didn't she end the war?
1: Yeah, it's like, are you serious? You had,
0: <laughs> you had three chances. Yeah, I think he was he was upset. Some he fourth upset. wall breaking by Gendry. Yeah, I appreciate it. That That's also
1: like trying to like kind of uh wrap his head around probably exactly what like wait Jack and Hagar could just like kill anybody. Like, what is that? What are you even talking about?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think very, very confused by all of that. Okay, so here come the Brotherhood Without Banners that we heard about them back in season two. That's who the mountain was tasked with trying to track down. And we end up meeting a guy by the name of Thoros of Mir, who is uh, singing along and they end up taking... Aria, Hot Pie, and Gendry uh, back really for a meal. Uh, they're not quite prisoners of them, uh, but they insist that they come with them.
1: Yeah, and Hot Pie is like, this place is great. They've got brown bread and I'm happy. Yeah, I think that he's thrilled to, to A, not be on the road anymore and B, not to have an arrow in his face because like that was really close. It <laughs> was very, very close to just getting shot in the head. What if he hadn't moved to the left? What if he didn't take the guy seriously? That would have been the end of Hot Pie.
0: Could have been the end of Hot Pie and we would have been very sad if that happened. That would have been very upsetting, very upsetting.
1: Um, But Arya Stark, you know, she has a lot of bravado. Uh, in this scene as she is telling Thoros of Mir that I know how to use a sword and you know don't mess with me uh, you're dead to me uh, and she you know gets into like a mini sword fight with this guy and apparently she's no match for Thoros of Myr uh, she gets disarmed very quickly and that's not even the biggest surprise for Arya in this one scene as somebody is brought in to the inn and it's a
0: familiar face it's the hound it's the so hound her- Yeah. The hound in the house. Yeah. And apparently the hound had passed out drunk and that's how they were able to apprehend him. But I really feel like that the hound was not putting up much of a fight in terms of uh, those guys just sort of like pushing him around. Like you would think that, you know, Gregor Clegane would have been able to, like, uh, you know, fight his way out of the situation if he really wanted to.
1: Yeah, do you think that he was st- he's still drunk from Blackwater? Do you think he's like still
0: nursing like a Blackwater hangover? <laughs> I mean, it's been quite some time since Blackwater. I mean, uh in King's it's Landing, there they're rebuilding the city. He's on a Blackwater
1: bender, perhaps. Like it's not like a Blackwater hangover. He just hasn't stopped drinking since Blackwater.
0: Maybe. Maybe since he's uh left the company of Joffrey, he's just been drinking nonstop.
1: I mean, honestly. I might do the same thing if like I'm suddenly no longer in the employ of Joffrey Baratheon I would probably take some time to celebrate, celebrate. But hopefully, not to get in the condition that you could just get uh, jumped upon by the, the brotherhood without banners
0: yeah okay uh, so that's a big reveal for Aria and then uh, we also have everything going on with Jamie and Brienne they sort of open the show uh, or in the first couple of scenes they're walking around and then you know we're trying to get the King's Landing, but Brienne is trying to be as inconspicuous as possible. She sees a farmer with a horse, and uh, Jamie's like, kill this guy, kill this guy. And Brienne's like, no, no, he's just a farmer. And uh, they should have killed that guy. Probably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It might have been a good idea. Might have been a good idea just based on the end of the episode that that guy totally rats them out. Uh, We see these people who are bannermen of Roos Bolton of House Bolton uh, who show up and Jamie's trying to say like, hey, we'll pay you off. It'll be great. You're going to make out like a bandit. And they don't seem to be interested in that. And this this guy, this farmer that they had come across is the reason why they are identified for who they are. Uh, So that's the big cliffhanger of the episode is what's going to happen to Jamie and Brienne after their silly little sword fight. That was very (laughs) anticlimactic.
0: Yeah. Uh, we also had action going on north of the wall. Uh, we saw uh, Jon Snow talking with uh, Mance Raider a little bit about how Mance Raider was able to unite all of the free folk uh, because he told them they're all going to die. That'll work. Everybody hates the cave people. That was my big
1: takeaway from uh, from Mance Raider's uh, pitch to Jon Snow. It was like, Do you have any idea how difficult it is to get cannibals and giants and cave people together? Everybody hates cave people.
0: Yeah, story checks out (laughs) You know why? Because I think the caves are like Nice and warm and have hot springs And and, then like anybody gets close to the cave Like, hey, it's my cave Like, right, Right, I'm just walking by Very
1: territorial Oh my god, cave (laughs) people In the the far north
0: You're not allowed (laughs) to
1: be over here Do you have any idea how expensive it was To get this cave? (laughs) You can't just squat in my cave Yeah I'm
0: calling my HOA. (laughs) So
1: we also words of bones are very uh, particular.
0: (laughs) then we also see a a little bit of what's left of that ranging party north of the wall and i had asked last week it seems like there's enough of these guys left but we found out that about 200 brothers of the night's watch were killed off by the white walker army that came through there i I still don't know why the white walkers left some of these guys you think they could have wiped out everybody if they really wanted to but uh, what's left of them includes uh, Sam and Dolores Ed and Grant and Crass. And uh, we remember Crass back from the first season. He's a I real. it's Rass. Is Rass no K? It's Rast, Rast, Either different. way, I don't care if I get his name wrong. He's a real yeah, a-hole and, yes. he's, and he's bullying Sam. He is. He
1: is. I got to say, like, I don't know that I've related to somebody on Game of Thrones more than Sam in this moment where he's just like, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I should probably just stop right here. This is terrible. This is all awful. You guys go on without me. Poor Sam is just like, this is the, the saddest Sam we have ever seen. And he was already really sad last year. Yeah, week. he's just like shuffling
0: his feet through the snow and trying I to fall it, down man. and rest. Like, yeah. good, good. I hope you die. I hope yeah. you die. And then uh, Commander Mormont says like, look, I order you to live, Sam. Yeah. It feels like, I don't know if like, you can like fully obey
1: that necessarily. Like, I don't like some things are outside your control. You can try to live i i accept that mission um he also tells rast rast you're responsible for him and if he doesn't make it back neither do you so that's some incentive for rast to uh to really take his responsibilities as one of samwell's new best friends uh very seriously
0: yes okay anything else from the episode before we talk spoilers josh nope i think we can talk spoilers i think we covered it here we go let's talk about let's talk about the spoilers (laughs) OK. It yeah. Was. And I think that we can
1: spoil that like you don't know if it's crashed or rast because like clearly this guy is going to be dead. You rast, know, yeah. You know, Before, you know, the final season of Game of Thrones. So uh, just be on the lookout for that if you didn't shuffle away from the spoiler section in time. But that shouldn't be much. Where's it, Pip? Did Pip not go on the mission, of of Josh? Josh? Yeah. Pip. We haven't seen Pip since season one. Is he, did been, he stay uh, at the wall, Pip? Yeah, he's a steward,
0: you know. Okay, uh, so he I know Sam's a steward as well, but he didn't bring uh, him. Uh, yeah yeah, okay yeah because it's like pip and gren and ed but we just get gren and ed right ed is kind of the new pip
1: uh, <laughs> uh yeah and obviously we know that ed is going to be the the one who is uh who's still hanging in there post gren and pip uh so he's here he's here for a bit um Yeah, you know, Sam is really going to go on quite a journey this season, huh? I forgot like they really started with Sam in his lowest of lows before he becomes Sam the Slayer. It's really no wonder that all these people aren't going to exactly uh, immediately believe his reputation as Sam the Slayer. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so he's just like shuffling his uh, feet along. You know, it's interesting that Mormont gives him the command, like, uh, I order you to live. I mean, it's not going to be uh, completely dissimilar to... uh, the command that Daenerys is going to give uh yeah. Commander Mormont's son to get cured of the grayscale. I that, I order yeah. you to go find a cure.
1: That is uh that's a really good connection. I did not even think about that. Um yeah, that's really uh that, that connects quite well. Uh, I think that, that that's oh, K- great.
0: Khaleesi, you sound just like my dad right now.
1: <laughs> if only Lord Commander Mormont had commanded himself to live. Mm-hmm. Uh because he will be he will be dead fairly soon. <laughs> I don't know if it's—I don't know if it's in the very next episode. I think it's close to that. I think it's in a, the next episode. I think they're going to get to Crasters. I don't think all hell is going to break loose quite yet.
0: Yeah okay so uh, that's Where the Night's Watch Is at so uh, a lot Of interesting things in terms of the future Ramifications here uh, from this episode Uh, Let's go back to the Stuff with uh, Jojen Reed and Mirror Reed and because uh, You know in the original going Of this you know obviously we did not Quite know the importance of Bran or maybe the book readers uh, Did know a little bit more about what was going On there but I do think it's interesting To go back and uh, see these scenes even though I I still have no love for the reeds, we have Bran interacting with the three-eyed raven in his dream.
1: Right, and I think some of this is is barely... Compelling in retrospect, too, where Jojen and Bran are going to talk a bit about like what the Three-Eyed Raven, um, you know, represent and the power of the site. And Bran is going to be the one who says, like, I can see things that haven't happened yet. And Jojen seems to confirm that. Uh, and we've seen, you know, I think it's season six where Bran has like this really wild vision about uh, all these things that have happened, including a wildfire burst that at first you think uh, relates to the Mad King but upon uh, further review of the season six finale, you come to learn it was actually forecast away, forecasting um, the destruction of the Sept of Baylor in King's Landing. So even this early on in in season three, they are they are attributing the power to see forward into the future uh, to the green site. So I think
0: that's interesting. Potentially
1: there could be some fun stuff to play with there in the final season.
0: So as Bran is shooting the arrow at the three-eyed Raven, he ends up missing, and we get the reset of you know which one of you was a marksman at 10 but jojen Reed says you can't kill it you know the raven is you josh should we be taking that literally where we will see at some point in the end game of game of thrones that bran is going to go on and his destiny will be to be that three eyed raven in the tree and then ultimately meet himself when bran and hodor and the gang show up Oh, whoa. Well, look, the time travel stuff is
1: very weird and wonky and hard to get your head around. And it's certainly not going to be that way in the book, because in the book, it's pretty clear who the Three-Eyed Raven is. In the book, the Three-Eyed Raven is a Targaryen bastard uh, whose name is Bloodraven, who seems like a pretty sweet character. Uh, But the show never did anything with that. That's not the, the, the canon for the show. That's just the book. So the show's version of events... Because once we you know start veering away from the material that was published by George R. R. Martin and Benioff and Weiss had to just kind of invent the show as they were going along with some ideas, I think, of where the books are going to end, uh, they started throwing more stuff in there. And things that seemed important early on were no longer as important. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could come up with some sort of massively weird time travel wonkiness where the Three-Eyed Raven is literally <laughs> Bran Stark. But... I don't know. I'm getting a nosebleed thinking about it too hard. So, I'm going
0: to try and uh try and just calm down here. Okay, well, if you have a nosebleed from that, uh, I want to bring you back to Hodor and my question is always, how much does Hodor know in terms of what is ultimately going to happen to him? Did he know his destiny the whole time through because Hodor seems a bit distressed as Bran is waking up from this dream of being with the Raven that uh, I watch with the closed captioning on, and he gives a real sigh Hodor to uh, Bran uh, waking up and all of this business with the Three-Eyed Raven in the dream. I think
1: this is a fun thing to to watch for as we are going through seasons 3 and 4 which are really the last Hodor seasons before the the season of losing Hodor in season 6 because he's going to be completely absent from 5 um and to me my imagination uh like my 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 feeling on it is that Hodor probably doesn't know exactly what he's barreling toward I think that, you know, when he had his mind connected with his future self, when he was young Willis and he was feeling uh, and experiencing the death of himself in the future uh, and hearing the command to hold the door, like my interpretation of that has always been that that like fried him, you know, that was the thing that like really caused him to become like brain damaged essentially. Uh, But I bet that there's like some sort of like instinctual foreboding of what's coming ahead uh and i know that there's going to be at least one scene that i can think of where he's going to be like really upset and really alarmed uh later on in season three that battle in the in uh in the gift uh so let's keep an eye on it i i think that that's i think that's a fun thing to to consider It's just how much does hodor realize he is marching towards his own demise
0: and later on in the episode, uh we are going to see where uh, Bran asks uh Jojen Reed about the site and uh Jojen says he saw the only thing that matters, which is Bran. Now, does that speak to we know that Bran is important in the story, but is he going to really be sort of like the centerpiece of the end game of the show? I think Bran is going to be essential.
1: I think that Bran is going to be uh, a very, 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 very important person in the end game of the show. Uh, I think that that has been set up all along the way. Jojen saying this to him that you're the only thing that matters is just further – empowering that idea that whatever Bran Stark is going to do, whatever it is he's supposed to do, it's going to be of massive importance. Is he going to be the only thing that matters? That feels like a reach. That feels like the reach. But I think that... Bran is going to my like my theory for it, like I, I think I've laid this out on podcasts before, like I feel like you could just like see the scenario where you combine this idea that Bran is going to be massively important with the idea that the Three-Eyed Raven is going to tell Bran at some point uh, at the end of season four, I believe you'll never walk again, but you will fly we now have a zombie dragon that's in the possession of the White Walkers, I think Bran has to hijack that thing, like I think Bran has to warg in to the zombie dragon and save the day somehow by virtue of taking that thing over. Uh, so I think like something like that. You know whether it's going to be that specifically or something of that ilk. It's something with his his ability to to see into either the future or see into the present and see what the Night King is planning and to counter strategize and counteract accordingly uh, with his abilities to warg. I think all of that will swirl together towards some sort of like very pivotal pivotal like physical action. That will take place in the final season of the show, potentially at the cost of his own life, but we'll see.
0: Because we, the TV viewers, have gotten some nice moments out of Bran and his abilities, but they have not paid a lot of dividends in the actual events that have transpired on the screen. Sure,
1: yeah. To this point. Right, it's a a lot of setup. It's a lot of setup. And uh, I think that Bran is one of those characters that people who watch Game of Thrones are frustrated with to put it nicely, I think that Bran is not like a fan favorite character. You know I love me some Isaac Hempstead, right. I think sure. that kid is I think that kid is great. I think he's very smart, and I think that he's uh, you know, he clearly loves the show and loves the character. And I think that he often has a difficult job, especially recently, where he's kind of become robotic, where he has like, you know, he has at the point that we're at through seven seasons of the show, he is the Raven now and has lost a lot of like his emotional affect. And I think that's a difficult thing to play. Um, so we know that, you know, there's been all this hype about brand and like, that's such a meandering storyline to get him to the place where he is currently. And like, when you really think about the brand storyline, like how much actually happens. It's a lot of kind of like slowly dragging your feet to this very important point. And we're not even really at like the important point yet. Like we've had some cool things happen. The Hodor stuff was just ridiculous. Um, you know, and he's the person that has made it possible for us, the viewer, to know that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. So all of that is important, but is it worth the journey that we've been on with Bran Stark. And I think many people would not be wrong to feel like, ah, maybe not. And I would certainly be in that camp if that gun doesn't really go off. Like, this is Chekhov's brand. Like, you know, this this person has been filed away in the drawer as massively important, and that hasn't gone off yet. And if it doesn't go off in the final season of the show, And then it was a it was it was much ado about nothing. Then he becomes the one with the shaggy dog story and not Rick on. So uh, I feel like something's got to happen with this character. It's been a lot for not much, even through seven seasons of the show.
0: It is interesting, though, you talk about him potentially warging into an ice dragon. And this is really the episode where warging is established as a thing in the show. You know, Jojen Reed is talking with Bran about it a little bit, but then we get a, a very fine point on it when uh we are talking with the uh, wildlings and yeah. that is sort Oral. of ex- yes not orwell uh <laughs> and yeah. uh they're talking about that he is able to warg into the eagle uh brett fitzpatrick sent us an email and said uh they said that the eagle is uh doing sort of like a reconnaissance mission but he's just like flying above them yeah, is it an eagle? That's an eagle
1: or is it a raven? Is it a raven? I'm not sure. I thought it, I thought it was a raven. I don't know. Do they have eagles in uh in the in the far north? It was a bird, you know. Yeah. It's just a, a just... ornithologist, is that right? <laughs> ornithologist. Yeah. Uh yeah. So it's a bird. Uh but that's where we're learning, you know, a little bit more about warging and I think that it's actually it's it, this this was one that was really interesting to me as a book reader uh was that this this is really being punctuated for Jon Snow that this is coming to us in a Jon Snow scene uh where as the, as the show has progressed Warging and Jon Snow have not really collided, um, but people who have been following the story through the books um, have really been waiting for there to be some sort of collision between Jon Snow and Warging in a very meaningful way in the prologue chapter of the most recent Book that was released in *A Dance with Dragons*. Uh, there is a uh, a skin changer, a warg named Varamir Sixskins, who gets the honor of being the prologue perspective, and he talks about having met Jon Snow and sensing. That he is actually an is an astoundingly powerful warg, uh, more so than Jon Snow has any idea of, and that this is something that is um, within the Starks. That the Starks, not just Brand, have this ability to warg. And of course, Jon Snow is going to get stabbed and betrayed, and at least left for dead, if not outright killed, by the end of that book. And readers have no idea how George R. R. Martin plans to untangle that. We know on the show what the answer to that was, but one of the popular theories was that Jon Snow would warg into Ghost, uh, that he would would occupy the body of his direwolf for a time until his body is repaired, if it's ever repaired. Uh, And I wonder if this was something where the show was, like, setting that up just in case, like, that sixth and seventh book ever came out and Game of Thrones could actually just straight up adapt uh, the works of George R R Martin but once the show has to veer course I think they kind of ditch all of this but it feel it felt to me like it was setting up the possible future where Jon Snow is going to have to come back to life by way of his direwolf uh not something that I think we will we will never see anything like Jon Snow like really like warging into a creature uh, with six episodes left of Game of Thrones so, okay aban- abandoned story material I think
0: <laughs> I want to talk about the King's Landing story. Storyline and specifically with Sansa because she gets, you know, pulled away to go and talk with Marjorie and Lady Olena. And, you know, they want to know all this information about Joffrey. She ultimately breaks and gives up everything to uh, Marjorie and Lady Olena, as we discussed. But in hindsight, Josh, should we feel like that Sansa was uh, pretty responsible for the events of the Purple Wedding?
1: because
0: she rats out joffrey for being a monster now probably lady elena if she continued to do her due diligence would she have figured it out she would have yeah. got this anyway but to me this makes the purple wedding a little bit more of a satisfying event because it makes me feel like that sansa had some responsibility for it happening to joffrey
1: that she's like an unwitting conspirator in the, in the, in the crime to yeah, kill this guy. I, I
0: feel I, like I, yeah. that, he, that there's some uh, stark uh, responsibility uh, in terms of this happening now. Some agency from the Starks in terms of getting Joffrey to be killed hey, if we want to look at it that way, I'm happy to look at it that way. Like, if you want to
1: give the Starks a win here, I'm happy to give the Starks a win here because they get so few in the battle against the Lannisters. Um, I think that, you know, I think that the Queen of Thorns is going to figure this out. I think it it does not take much to put together that Joffrey Baratheon is a little shit. Uh, And then the question is just like, okay, so is he a little shit or is he also a psychopath, a sociopath? And I don't know when it's going to happen. I think it's going to be like two or three three or four episodes from now that uh, that Joffrey is going to kill Roz off screen. Uh, You know, like if you hear about like one incident of that or even if you hear about, um, you know, what he did to the bard, you know, in the at the end of season one. And just like had this guy's tongue pulled out in front
0: of everybody or Or talk to him for five minutes. Yeah,
1: you know, like I think it was going to come up. I think it was going to come up. And I think that equally it would have come up that uh, that sweet little Tom is a is a good kid and he would be a much better fit uh, for King uh, to especially to be somebody who would be, uh, you know, a little bit moldable and impressionable uh, under the the Tyrells. So uh, I think I think it's going to happen anyway, uh, but I'm happy to give Sansa some credit. You know, I'm I'm a fan. So was Marjorie in on it? Did
0: she know what was going to happen?
1: I don't remember. I don't remember if she was in on it or if she's like insulated from it. Um, my recollection on that is then I don't know if it, if she's involved at all or if it's just a Queen of Thorns and Littlefinger plot. Uh, so uh, couldn't say one way or the other just based on memory.
0: Because I think it's two different reads on the crossbow scene if she was gonna ultimately be Jojen in and Amira? On it. <laughs> yeah, two different yeah, two different uh jo- Jojen and Amira, where if she's not in on it, she's like, okay, this guy is a monster, but I think i can tame him he could be my monster and that's what she's doing there or if she kind of knows what's going to ultimately happen she's like oh i know my grandmother she must be working on something where it's just like okay i just need to get married to the guy and then we'll take it from here yeah i think you could read it either way like i think i think it would still
1: play effectively in in either direction there uh yeah, I love that scene so much.
0: It's mm-hmm.
1: just it's great. And it's actually, you know, like the, the crossbow is obviously like that's that's good foreshadowing for what's going to happen to to Roz a few episodes from now.
0: Mm hmm. Right. And Joffrey would like to watch Marjorie uh, use the crossbow. That would be exciting for him. He'd be, he'd be pumped. He'd be very happy about that. That'd be very excited.
1: <laughs> <to> please him.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about Theon? And of course, uh, it turns out that that kindly janitor is no kindly janitor at all, Josh. Yeah. Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. That's what I
1: that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah here's Ramsey Bolton, and we talked about this a little bit in the spoiler sections towards the end of season two about uh about how Ramsey Bolton was like secretly reek uh and like um advising Theon in the books and he's got that role uh and he's like incognito there, and they didn't do that for the show, but they do do a version of that here on the show where they hide Ramsey in plain sight for a little while and of course, if you've read you know the books and you you know who Ramsey Bolton is. Uh, At this point, when you see this character coming up on screen, you're like, oh, man, yeah, I know where this is going. Um, but the the actor, Ewan Rayon, uh, who was on, I want to say he was on Misfits, this BBC show. Uh, people who really love that actor. He was cast in Game of Thrones. And when they cast him, I believe if I'm remembering this right, he was just like announced as playing the boy or something like that. Some like very ambiguous name where everyone was like, oh, OK, sweet. So he's Ramsay Bolton. That's great casting. Uh, but they really tried to, to play this up for a little while while as this guy is like truly theon's only friend out here
0: Mm -hmm. yeah but everybody that's in the room is in on it except for theon right is that correct yeah i think so i mean i think that's like like,
1: all right you guys go in there (laughs) just like poke his fingers a little bit use the screw drill thing It's my favorite you're gonna love right. it and just pretend like i'm the janitor you know just everyone play along i know it's weird that i'm the lord here and i'm the guy in charge just
0: play along like i'm the janitor right but he's really a method actor because even when theon has the bag on his head he's still like scrubbing the floor like he's not he's he's not really dropping the act uh, which seems like it's a little bit more for us at home more so than theon with a bag over his head i mean who knows like he he probably
1: hasn't put the bag over his own head would you Mm -hmm. so he's like he's not sure like is it like you know pitch black in there Can you see a little
0: bit you don't think he tested the bag
1: i don't feel like Ramsey's putting the bag on his own head (laughs) he might i mean maybe he seems like an interesting guy so who knows
0: (laughs) (laughs) um let's go back to the stark army and Okay, I have a question for you, Josh. This might be a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but you know Uh, that uh, I I like these things. Um, Yes. Do you feel like could there have been foul play involved with the death of Hoster Tully? foul play because we know where this is all going it's going to the red wedding but we need the starks to ultimately get to river and we see tywin is already planning stuff we he's already writing letters so do you feel like was part of the plan that we need to get the stark army to return to the riverlands to be able to pull this plan off or was this all just a uh, great Coincidence a mitzvah yeah. for the Lannister <laughs> forces.
1: I feel like it's serendipity to me. Like I feel like that's a lot to engineer. And like if they can kill Hoster Tully like in in like this stealth way, there it feels like they would be able to probably, you know, you would think that they'd be able to 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 get to the Starks if they were able to do that. Like that's not uh it's a tall order. I don't know. I, I think that. I think that like the idea that you get is that Hasertelli was like fairly sick and like he was close to this anyway. Uh, So I'm inclined to believe natural causes – uh, but I'm also not one to to sneer at a, at a Valyrian foil hat theory. So I'm uh, I'm happy to indulge you in that.
0: Yeah, I just think it's interesting because such a big part of this plan. I don't know where the Stark army was headed to, you know, from Harrenhal should, if this had not happened, if they had not, because they, I mean, Karstark is really like being clear, like, uh, I think we're headed in the wrong direction. I don't know what we're doing here, going to the Riverlands. So I, I don't think they had any reasonable expectation to think that the Stark army would be there.
1: That's so many steps, though. And, like, you know, Tywin Lannister, he's incredible. 5D chess, for sure. Uh, You know, maybe Maester Mike could explain this one to us. But I think that... I don't know. I think for him to organize the death of Hoster Tully to get the Starks to go to River Run so they can pick up Edmer Tully so they can go to the twins and then they can all get slaughtered at the Red Wedding. It just feels like a lot of steps. Feels like a lot of steps. I think once they find out that they're going to the twins like that to me is where it feels like, all right, I think that uh I think we can make this happen. I think we can we can probably make a Red Wedding happen.
0: Okay, Well, we'll keep an eye out for that in season three. And how do they know exactly when to strike with this plan? Because, again, we see Tywin. Wynn. Tywin's writing letters. He's like, like they're showing us what he's doing they so he might just be working on his novel <laughs> you know his his memoirs I'm sending this off to my publisher
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah we don't know yes yeah, my it's memoir awesome. will be huge yes <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah i don't know what would, what would you call tywin lannister's memoir do you have a, a
0: good title <sighs> ty, hashtag ty winning Ty winning. Yeah. yeah. Something about a lion. Uh, I think, yeah. you know, uh, we'll let the listeners uh, let us know. There's some more time to uh, think about it. Uh, Josh, what else from this episode did you want to touch on? What else from this episode do I want to touch on? Well, that was the last Jamie Lannister scene
1: with uh, uh, fight scene with two hands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's coming up uh, very soon.
0: That's coming up in the next episode. hmm. Yeah. That's going to be it. And, uh, you know, Jamie Lannister really feels like, OK, my ship has come in. I wanted to be captured, unfortunately. Uh, this is going to begin a, a very sad journey for Jamie Lannister. The way he's been talking to Brienne, he kind of deserves it. You know, yeah. he's just
1: been a real scoundrel. This guy, really mean, really mean guy. Uh, so that's going to happen here pretty soon. We can talk more about that uh, in next episode, both in the in the spoiler free and then in the spoiler filled section. I think that's a good time to talk about just like how that's the the start of a new chapter for for Jamie Lannister. Um, in terms of other stuff in this episode. Uh, anything with Arya and the Hound now coming into contact here, uh, this is going to be the beginning of a two-season arc for these two characters, which I think a lot of people, myself included, would agree. Uh, one of the one of the great on-screen duos of Game of Thrones. Right?
0: Did they have any notable interactions in the first season?
1: Not really notable. They were present. You know they were in each other's presence. Yeah. I don't think that they they had they had much going on with each other. He was
0: always more of a Sansa guy. Yeah, because good on the Hound. He seems to be the only person who was ever able to recognize Arya as Arya Stark with yeah. shorter hair. <laughs> like, what are you doing eat, with the Stark bitch? Like, oh my eat, God! Eat dirt, Littlefinger. Eat yeah.
1: dirt, Tywin Lannister. Yeah, put put Sandor Clegane oh, on the see brain stride You
0: said something. Oh uh, triple wow! Triple threat.
1: Triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the hound, underrated. The hound's going to be thrown by the end of this thing. That yeah. guy's like, you're sleeping on the hound if you don't think the hound is going to take yes. this thing to the end.
0: Uh, fun to see the hound and Thoros of Mir uh, yes. together as early as season three. Uh, that is going to be a, uh, a fun pair moving forward. Uh, no love lost with these two. No, uh, and I'm I'm really excited to get into Beric
1: Dondarrion here pretty soon. I think Richard Dormer is so great as that character. It is astounding to me. That we are talking about Game of Thrones through seven seasons of the show, and we're about to meet Don Dondarian, who is going to die a few times, but never permanently. Never permanently. Unless he like got destroyed in the uh, the evisceration of the wall at the end of season seven. But you didn't see the body, so you gotta assume he's still around. How is Barric Don Darien still alive? That's crazy. That's Mm -hmm. like the, the easiest to predict character death and he still hasn't died. It's just insane to me. Massively
0: yeah. crazy. Uh, also, uh, Thoros of Mere, do you find it odd that he is singing the Reigns of Castamere? I mean, I think that uh, this is a group that has been, you know, very publicly feuding with the Lannisters. I mean, he's right. not doing like some Weird Al version of the Reigns of Castamere where the <laughs> Lannisters suck. Right. The Lames of Castamere. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So d- 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 isn't that weird, though, that he's singing the Lannister song?
1: I think two things. One, it's a catchy song. Catchy tune. Yeah, and there's uh, only two uh, songs in
0: the Game of Thrones universe.
1: No, uh, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> you know, he probably likes the Bear and the Maiden Fair as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, it's catchy tune. Also, just uh, for the, the service of the audience to remind us of the song, I think, is important. Yes. Um, also, he doesn't know who is behind that wall, and they are in territory where... The countryside is being ripped up by feuds between the Northerners and the Lannisters. So he doesn't know if he's dealing with a Northerner or a Lannister. And if he's singing a Lannister song, then either way, it's going to evoke a reaction. Like either someone's going to be like, oh, I'm a Lannister loyalist and somebody is singing the Lannister song. So I should probably get out from behind this wall and trust these people. Or it's a northern sympathizer. And oh, my God, they're singing a Lannister song. I should not move at all. Uh, So I think it's got some utility there. uh, Mm. And it's catsy. Yeah, you know, I think it's just earwormed uh, Thoros of Mir at this point. Yeah, maybe the the people
0: hiding would have been Oh my god, is that Ed Sheeran? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Okay. Uh, there we go. Uh nobody uh n- no uh, man bun uh just yet, right? Oh uh, no, he doesn't have the top knot yet. He's going to
1: he's going to put his hair up in uh, season 6, I believe. Okay. It's coming. Yeah, it's All coming. right.
0: Josh, uh great stuff. Uh, this was our week off from Daenerys at the market also. So that works, right? Like I yeah. feel like the pacing on that is totally. We'll fine. We'll sort of get some more set up in this next episode coming up, and then uh, the big payday in episode number four. Ooh, they've got paydays in episode four. <laughs> for, for half price, <laughs> you get one free if you buy you an army. What a, a payday! <laughs> yeah. Unsullied have no peanuts, but but payday do. <laughs> Oh,
1: Watto. Can't wait to lose Watto. That'll be great. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Next week, Walk of Punishment. Rob yes uh, we're getting into episode 3 of season 3 written and directed by uh, David Benioff and
0: Dan Weiss the D's D's all right Uh, that's coming up all next week on our uh, Game of Thrones rewatch this week also uh, The Walking Dead is back if you missed our premiere coverage you can check that out on post uh, dot com and then Josh and I will be uh, resuming our weekly feedback show as well so you could send in your walking dead questions twd at postshowrecaps.com every single week during the walking dead season that's crazy the walking dead really just snuck back up on us how did this happen <laughs> i don't, I don't know zombies are very sneaky it's a couple weeks late too because of the olympics yeah oh, that's true that's true olympics they uh They impact everything. They impact everything. Okay, the Winter Olympics. It was the Olympics uh, beyond the wall, as they uh, like to call them. The Winter is here Olympics. Yes. All right. Well, great stuff going through everything with you. Of course, follow Josh on Twitter. He's at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.